Good day and welcome to today's Capital One Listening and Leading webinar. We are pleased to offer a discussion on modernizing COSADA's governance structure, a discussion on the proposed changes for 2020-2021. Uh, my name is Lenny Reich. I'm the SID and Assistant Athletic Director at the University of Mount Union. I serve on uh, COSADA's Board of Directors, and I've also been a part of this uh, governance review working group. Uh, our presenters today don't need much of an introduction as they are current COSADA president, Herb Vincent, who has 30 plus years experience in college athletics, currently the Associate Commissioner of Communications for the Southeastern Conference and was the 2019 Arch Ward Award recipient and COSADA Executive Director, Doug Vance, who also has over 30 years experience in college athletics. And uh, we'd like to welcome Herb and Doug to today's festivities. Um, we appreciate all of you for joining us for this first in-depth look at proposed changes to COSIDA's governance structure. Uh, before we begin, we would like to say a quick thank you to our presenting partner, corporate partner, Capital One, for presenting our continuing education series. As a reminder, this webinar will be posted later today on COSIDAs.com and in COSIDA Connect, our membership's online community. We will also have a podcast version of today's webinar that you can download on services listed on the COSIDA website. And this will be placed also on the COSIDA YouTube channel. So as we get into things, uh, we have, uh, as a board and as this governance review group, have been working on uh, the proposed changes that we are going to uh, share with you today. We encourage you to submit any questions you might have right here in the, uh, in the chat box throughout the webinar. And uh, we will, um, you'll find that on the right side and we'll save time at the end of this webinar to address them. Also at the end of this webinar, if you wanna get on camera and ask a question to any of the panelists, you can uh, locate the raise hand button on your screen and then we will process you and get you on here to ask a question. So uh, we're going to have a PowerPoint discussion that'll take you through where we've been, uh, where we're at right now and where we hope to go. And to take us through uh, this PowerPoint, I turn things over to uh, Herb Vincent. Thank you, Lenny. Appreciate that. And uh, let me start by saying that I hope everyone is is doing well and and you're safe and, and healthy. We had a, a town hall forum, is what we call it, the week after. I think all of our basketball tournaments shut down and had a little conversation about what it was going to be like going forward. None of us knew what it was going to be like. And and just letting you know that Casida was here. I want to take just a moment to thank the Casida staff and membership for all you've done. We've had a number of uh, coffee shop events, webinars, uh, presentations, forums, and they've been very well attended, great participation. Our organization is very active and uh, the staff has done a great job, I think, of making things available. And uh, there's been some new challenges for all of us. And I just wanna congratulate the staff and the membership for uh, the way you've handled this, this, this trying time. In the meantime, we started this governance structure discussion well before the onset of COVID-19, and we talked about uh, how to move through this, and we don't want to slow the uh, progress of COSIDA. We, we consider this governance structure change uh, progress for the organization, and so we're, we're uh, moving forward and try to be as communicative as possible over the course of time. Um, if you could change to the next slide, we can take a quick look at the working group. Uh, I want to thank the working group for all, all their service on this from the very beginning. They've been very engaged. 
Uh, they've been very generous with their time. We think that we created a group that was very representative of the membership. And uh, every one of them had some uh, participation and significant contribution to develop the development of the, of the concept that we're providing to you today. Uh, I hope you've taken an opportunity to read um, the blog we sent out earlier this year. Many of you responded, and I hope we responded back to you on, on questions and concerns that you had at the time. So this is the next step in, uh, in coming forward and uh, in bringing this to you. We started out with a number of objectives, which you see here. One is to create opportunities for people in like divisions, common divisions, to address issues that are relative to them. Number two is to create more leadership opportunities across all divisions. We're always looking to develop and identify leaders, and we think this structure gives us a chance to engage more leaders into the organization and identify more leaders for CASIDA. Uh, a centerpiece of this is, is developing a smaller board of directors to create better engagement, more efficiency, and in turn, better decision-making for the good of the organization. Uh, we want to formalize the communication between the divisional groups and the Casada board of directors. I'll go into that, that a little bit more. And then just by having more people involved, continue to expand diversity and inclusion among the Casada leadership. So those were the objectives that we started with. If we go to the next slide, I want to go back to the discussion about the board. Doug Vance uh, spoke often in our board meetings when I came on about the research he had done into the governance of organizations and associations very similar to Casida. And one thing that stood out to me was that the trend was towards smaller boards. And this quote uh, that Doug found in, in one of his, in some of his studies, I think captures that, uh, that, that, that concept. And I'll read it to you just real quick. We believe in a smaller competency-based board with directors carefully selected for competencies critical to the organization's future can be more effective. Associations need boards composed for performance and not boards composed according to geography and special interests. In short, put your best leaders in the best position to help the organization. And that's what we're trying to do with this structure. So here's the way the governance structure looks now. And we have a president, three vice presidents, a past president, secretary, three at large members, and then six college division representatives. It's a pretty, it's a pretty large group. And so what I found from the very beginning in board meetings that I often found myself sitting and listening and not engaged in half the conversation because there was a group that was engaged in, in, in a different set of issues uh, than I could identify with. And then I was engaged in a set of issues that maybe they were not identified with because it was such a large board. It makes it difficult to, ha to have discussions. Uh, when you're on board calls, some people just don't want to speak up. You've been in Zoom calls and meetings where the larger the group, the less maybe you want to participate or the less engaged you are. You want to give others a chance to talk and uh, you're less inclined to, to contribute. And so it's a little bit difficult sometimes to get board members to contribute and that's the reason they're there. And that's what we tell them all the time. You're on this board because we want you to contribute. But there's just the largeness of the board uh, makes that a little, little challenging sometimes. At the same time, if you look at the bottom of your screen, we have these very efficient, uh, go back just one real quick, very efficient, uh, the previous screen, please. A very efficient and well-managed divisional management group. So you have D2-sided, D3-sided, so on. You have CDMAC, D2-sided. These are groups that are, as I've come to discover, are very well organized. They have great leaders. Uh, they come forward with great concepts. 
At the same time, they're not part of our structure. So you, you can go to the next slide, please. And you'll see that we have a very large board of directors, 16 members. And then we have this other set of, of people out here who are very uh, devoted members of the organization yet are not part of the formal organizational structure. So how do we solve that? And, and I think we've come up hopefully with, with a way that we can do that. Next. So the concept we're looking at is just that, is to engage the divisional groups, create divisional cabinets for each group. That first objective I talked about, about creating like groups, groups of like-minded people who can address issues re relevant to them. D2-sided can drill down to issues relevant to them. D3-sided, D1-sided. We got to create that one because that doesn't even exist. So it's not those sided groups, but it's the cabinets that come out of those D2-sided, D3-sided, NAI-sided groups that will create these divisional cabinets. One of the things that was real important that we, we identified early on was number one, we don't want to mess with the existing divisional groups because they're very good at what they do. They're very organized and they have their board structures and they have their rules and regulations. So because of that, number two, we thought we it was important to give them the autonomy to create these cabinets. So D2-SIDA will decide how the D2-SIDA divisional cabinet, which is part of the governance structure, is composed and made up. D3-SIDA will determine its own leaders to put in there. And so that is a way of bringing the divisional groups into the formal governance structure of CASIDA. Creates a lot more leadership opportunities. All these people are part of the governance structure. It helps us identify leaders for the future for other parts of the organization. The leaders of each of those divisional cabinets feed into the advisory council. And the advisory council is that conduit between the divisional cabinets and the executive board of directors. Let's go to the next slide, please. This is another way of looking at the exact same thing. It looks a little more confusing, but you kind of drill down a little bit to what it looks like. So you have a divisional cabinet there, and we have on each of these five members, but we're going to leave that again up to the, the, the divisional groups to decide how big do you want your cabinet to be? Going back to the board talk, you know, you don't want it to be too large and unruly, but you want to have your leaders from your divisional group to be there. Looking at the size of the boards of each of the uh, D2-sided, D3-sided groups and so on, you can take the board structure, the boards, and just put them into the cabinet and make it, that's up to the, that's up to each group how they want to do that. But you would take those leaders who are already identified and put them directly into the official governance structure of Casida where they have, have never been before. Those groups always come to us and give reports. They come to us at the divisional, at, I'm sorry, at the NCA convention, uh, at the CASI convention, we hear reports from the divisional groups, but they're not part of the formal governance structure. And we thought it was important to bring them into the structure. So that's how we've arrived at where we are today. So you take the chair of each of those groups and you put them onto the advisory council. The advisory council is made up of two officers, the first and second vice presidents, a past president to represent that past president's group, and then the chair from each of the D1, D2, D3, so on, uh, make up that advisory council. Proposals, ideas, thoughts from the cabinets go into the advisory council and are brought forward to the executive board of directors. And so that is a way of creating a flow of information to back and forth from the cabinets to the executive board, from the executive board to the cabinets to keep more people engaged. And yet, 
have an executive board of directors that is nimble, is smaller, and can make the best decisions for the organization. We'll go to the next slide, please. At this point, if Doug can come back on the call, I'm gonna let him uh, kind of talk us through how we get to once, once number one, uh, how we're gonna have this approved. Number two, there's a little bit of a transition here that we would have to get to. Uh, it was very important uh, to our working group that anyone who's existing on the board is not just put off the board because we're gonna have a smaller board. So we're gonna transition into that. It'll take a few years to get there, but we have great leaders on the board until we get to the point that they transition off, they've served their full terms, then we'll get to that point. So Doug, I'm going to turn it over to you and you can kind of walk us through the rest of the presentation. Thanks, Herb. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, yeah, one of the big challenges for the working group was, was developing an appropriate transition process uh, interrupt this time or service on the board that, and, uh, and give them the opportunity to serve it through their entire terms. The working group felt it was, it was really fundamental to, to the process to phase in the changes to the executive board and to make all, and to make sure all the existing uh, board members could serve their full terms. This chart gives you a, a, a good uh, layout of, of how this will, will happen uh, over a course of seven years. We will gradually reduce the size of the executive board from 16 members to eight and uh, with the goal of full implementation set to be in place by 2023-24 academic year or following the 2023 COSIDA convention. Next slide. And, and to recap uh, the, the year-long process that we've undertaken with the working group, uh, Here's the timeline of, of how we have set up this process to develop it. Uh, again, under the leadership of her, uh, it, it included a series of monthly conference calls with the working group, and those began uh, last September. And from the beginning, uh, we stressed transparency in this process. We wanted the members to understand uh, what we were doing, primarily because we wanted their feedback. We wanted to make sure that we developed a process that served our members properly, and they had an opportunity to have feedback on how, how this looks. So we, we used a lot of different uh, uh, of our formats, or, or excuse me, our, our opportunities to, to discuss this. We used COSIDA 360. Uh, we sent information out through emails, and then we also, Herb and I participated in, in divisional group conference calls. Uh, culminating with, with today's webinar. Looking ahead, uh, uh, this process uh, has, is being guided somewhat by the Constitution. Uh, we have a constitutional change, we will have a constitutional change proposal to adopt uh, the new governance structure, and it will be posted on Trocida.com for review uh, by the entire membership uh, no later than May 28. It's important to understand that that any changes to this constitution require a membership approval process, a vote by the membership. Uh, we will hold COSIDA board meetings the first week of June, and we'll have a virtual COSIDA business meeting, and that will be held June the 12th. We had designated June 17th through the 18th, uh, a 48-hour period for voting on this proposal by the membership. Uh, we'll, we'll announce the results the next day, June 19th. 
I really appreciate uh, everyone's involvement in this in this effort. Uh, it's clearly been a uh, a team effort. Um, and one thing that I need to touch upon also is how we this process we talked about how it evolves. Um, if the proposal uh, is approved, we'll start developing the divisional cabinets uh, early in the fall months this year. The development of the divisional cabinets will formulate the advisory committee and regular conference calls with those groups can then begin. The executive board uh, will continue its regular schedule conference calls. And then as, as mentioned by 2023, we uh, ultimately will have this full process formed and in place. Finally, I want to I want to thank everyone who who's been a part of this uh, process, and in particular, I want to thank Herb, who's who's had the vision and the leadership uh, in guiding us forward. Uh, he's been the one uh, who's diligently been behind the scenes, uh, giving direction, and uh, he's laid out the process. Uh, it's mandated all you know all divisions and all groups in Christina have a strong voice in developing it. I'll turn it back over to her, but let me add that if any questions come to mind after this webinar, don't hesitate to reach out to any of us from the working group to the staff, uh, to the board of directors. We'll be happy to uh, to uh, try to explain anything that uh, that you don't quite understand yet. Uh, with that, I'll turn it over to Herb and uh, we'll open it up for uh, questions from those in attendance. Herb. Actually, I don't have too much more except to invite members to continue to ask questions. I've been, um, to me, that the, the questions that we get have been encouraging that people are engaged and interested in the future of Casida, and we've tried to answer each of them. Uh, we also have your divisional members and representatives. You can reach out to them as necessary as well. They're all fully abreast of this concept and, and every step along the way, how we've done it, the reasons that we've, we've reached where we are. So. Uh, Doug, thanks for all your work. Uh, folks like Lenny and others on the committee have really uh, worked hard to get to this point, and so uh, we hope we can answer any questions that you might have. Doug, we uh, and uh, Herb, we do have a question from the chat uh, from uh, from Blake Tim. Uh, will the divisional cabinets uh, be appointed by the board or voted upon by their uh, respective membership? Are the divisional cabinets designed to replace the current divisional groups? So the cabinets are, are developed by the divisional groups and not meant to replace the divisional groups. The divisional groups still exist. Uh, we Early on, we identified how efficient and, and pr uh, productive those groups are. Uh, but the divisional cabinets give an opportunity to, to bring that structure of those existing divisional groups into the governance structure. And it'll be the, we've given autonomy under this, this process or this concept to those divisional groups to determine who's on their divisional cabinets. Yeah, and I might ask Lenny to uh, weigh in on this question a little bit since it's been part of the discussion, mm -hmm. how your vision is, how this would work, say, you're a former chair of the Division Three D3 side, how you see this yeah. happening. I mean, and, and I can assure everybody uh, that I, myself and the other divisional reps that were on there, we, I, I think from the beginning, uh, wanted to make sure that those currently organized divisional groups stayed as organized and as they could in their current form. And so I think, uh, yeah, in, as far as Division Three would go, I would envision um, that Division Three Board of Directors sitting as that divisional cabinet for Division Three, and then that Board of Directors choosing 
a representative that would go on to the advisory council. Maybe it would be the president. Maybe it would be um, uh, someone else. Uh, but but would would leave those divisions to to put the best people in the places they have. As everybody has said, all of those groups are are very well organized. Obviously, in Division One, they're going to form a group. Uh, but to, but to get those groups together and and put those people. Um, uh, give them more of a, a, a clear delineated path of a structure uh, is where I think all of us will go in for. And Herb, Herb talked about this. The thing that really excites me about this is uh, we will then we will now have divisional groups involved in the leadership process uh, where they were somewhat outliers. They had their groups, but they really weren't uh, part of the COSIDA board. Uh, this process gives greater representation up through the through the process and. And the opportunity to be impactful and provide voices uh, to uh, make suggestions and recommendations. Uh, we have another. Our next question is a proposed term in office for the at-large representatives. So, what would the term be for the at-large reps on the executive board of directors? I believe is that question. I anticipate that would not change. We had not had that discussion. It was a good question, Doug. Uh, I think that's in the Constitution about how long those at-large members stay, and that's not an area that we uh, we addressed and decided to change. Yeah, I, I would suspect that uh, we'll, we'll continue that term as it now exists. Um, another question we have is about uh, CD-MAC. Uh, would, uh, how would CD-MAC, uh, will, will CD-MAC dissolve under this plan as well? Well, it could. Uh, it depends on if this serves the purpose that CD Mac does to, as I understood, CD Mac was was presented to or developed to re represent those divisional groups, and obviously now the divisional groups have direct uh, representation through their divisional cabinets. I think we need to see how that plays out and see what the divisional groups uh, think is most effective way to move forward. Uh, Doug, you may have uh, more uh, thoughts on that. Yeah, we talked about, we certainly did talk about CDMAC and uh, its original goals when it was created uh, several years ago. And many, some of the people in our working group are part of CDMAC. So uh, nothing that we're doing in this in this process directly impacts CDMAC and its existence going forward. I, I just think it's, uh, it's something we need to continue to monitor and talk to the people on the CDMAC leadership group and see how they feel about it. We have another question about uh, ensuring minority groups are represented. Um. Well, we have a we have a vision statement COSIDA has established, and uh, obviously that's really really important to us as an organization, and it's it's part of the process that uh, our nominating committee considers each year when we select people, and that's not going to change. It is a point of emphasis for us, and. Uh, we are. We want the best leaders to be part of part of our leadership structure, and uh, and certainly this this is a this is something that will be significant in the selection process. And I and I would echo some of that as well. That I think the the point of this governance Well, we may have lost Lenny there. Um, I think you may have frozen up. Yeah, I think I can. I think I can move on to see the next question. I think it's the next one in line, uh, and then hopefully letting get back on was from Eric McDowell. Would this 
also mean there be uh, only be executive board meetings and not officers in the future, or would there be officers meetings without the two at large positions? I would envision the need for those officer calls. Uh, you're going to have an advisory council call, and then you have an executive board call. I think there would just be the executive board, and that's part of the of the the beauty of having a smaller board is that you have a group that can, can engage in an effective manner like that. Welcome back, Lenny. May have lost him again. <laughs> oh, there he is. Can you hear me now? Oh, sorry, okay. sorry about that. Uh, sorry, the question was. Um, would the monthly meetings include all of the executive board together or would they still be separate officer meetings uh with the at-large uh, with the at-large votes while you're offline for just that one minute we talked about that that there would be uh, just the executive board meetings as, as we envision this um another question is uh how will the division one group be formed since there is currently no division one subgroup yeah jessica Poole, who's on the um uh, uh, working group has initiated a, a process for starting to engage some people in that. Uh, they, that's one of the things we we identified very early on that there's not an, an active division one side, D1 side. And so that has to be developed as part of this process. And I think another thing we talked about on that timetable graph was also giving the other divisional groups that are established time to see their 2021 uh, board of directors elections through those kind of things as well um, our next question uh, well more of a suggestion I guess can we enlist conference SIDs to encourage review of this proposal as well um, emails are great but I think some personal contact could be beneficial I guess now I guess I would imagine a lot of conferences are doing their year-end meetings um, uh, I guess I, I know we would encourage discussion as many ways as we could have discussions you know, we'll, we've been active on going on some of these divisional group calls, Doug and I, to, to talk and answer some questions and, and present some of what you've seen today. And we certainly welcome the opportunity to go on any others. We have our Southeastern Conference uh, spring meeting, so to speak, next uh, Wednesday, and Doug is going to join us for that. And that's going to be part of the discussion on that one. So we welcome the opportunity, uh, if we have some other groups to get in touch with, to certainly do that. Um, another question on the uh, constitutional vote. Uh, what will it be a two-third or majority vote needed to uh, endorse the change? I think, Lenny, uh, it's a majority vote based on the Constitution. Uh, we'll need a majority vote. Uh, and certainly this will be an online vote uh, that we're undertaking. As the Constitution does allow for uh, votes to be made electronically. So uh, that will be our process. And I'll say we have another question about the Constitution, about notices for change and all those things. And I know the Board of Directors has been uh, following along, especially with uh, Jeff Hodges' guidance through um, constitutional changes, making sure we're following everything by the way of the Constitution. Yeah, without question, we have a, we have a time period that's set up by the Constitution on when uh, changes need to be posted and when they can be acted upon after, after posting. And that's that's giving us direction and guiding us in this process. Okay, well, I don't uh, don't see any other any other questions uh, at the at the moment uh, in the chat room. So I guess if anybody has any other questions, we can take them through now. But we've got plenty of time. <laughs> we do have. 
Uh, Lenny, I, well, I don't know who can talk to it, but we have the hand raising option if somebody wanted to raise their we hand. Do. If somebody wants to, yeah, if somebody wants to uh, get on on video. Oh, I hear there. I hear uh, Bo's telling me there's some more questions coming. So maybe, yeah, if anybody wants to uh, jump on camera with us, you can definitely get your phone then too. And I think as the groups are doing business meetings as well, I, I believe, Doug, you're, you're scheduled to, or somebody's going to come in and talk to some of those groups as well during there. Yeah, we will uh, we'll, we'll schedule uh, opportunities during our convention, during divisional business meetings or, or gatherings. Uh, Herb and I uh, will definitely want to come in and, and uh, review the process and answer questions and hear comments from the group. Uh, that's our next phase, uh, our next opportunity to uh, connect and, and, and discuss the plan. And uh, the venerable uh, Jeff Hodges has come in with, uh, uh, as he usually does, with our clarity on the constitutional stuff. He says 10% of the current membership vote and 60% of these those voting uh, are needed for it to pass. So, so that. Uh... Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, and I want to thank Jeff for his work. There was a lot of work that had to be done on the Constitution itself on how to properly make changes, when to meet deadlines to, to, to meet the requirements, as was asked in one of the questions. And so thanks to Jeff for all, all of his work uh, from a constitutional standpoint as well. Have any more questions, Lenny? Uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't appear to be... Uh... Any more questions uh, coming in? Those were, like I said, those are those constitutional questions, and I think we got most of those. So, um, so other than that, um, I, I don't, I don't think we have. Well, well, maybe we got one more that just came in. Um, a question about the evolution of some positions. Has the Constitution changed that? The secretary becomes a voting member. I'm not sure uh, what that uh, what that means of any of those kind of things. So, but uh, I mean, the board the board was presented with the proposal and voted through its normal board process. Um, and then we have another. Um, well, I don't think there's a question here. Um, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, nope. I don't think there's been some questions. Just some general statements in the chat to, to folks in the chat um but if we um you know obviously as as everybody said we've got ways to get a hold of uh, everybody on the group and uh, the board as well as the staff if you have questions about this uh, you know in closing we definitely like to thank everyone for joining uh, today's session thanking herb and doug and i would be remiss if i didn't thank herb and doug and speak on behalf of a lot of people that uh, uh, appreciates their steadfast leadership, especially during these uh, uncertain times. I think uh, we've been able to uh, lean a lot on Cosada and then Herb and Doug have definitely been up to the challenge and I appreciate uh, everything that they've, uh, that they've done for that. Um, as a reminder, you can find uh, this on-demand webinar on Cosada.com and on Cosada Connect later this afternoon. It'll also be as a podcast It'll also be on the COSIDA YouTube channel and everything will be available on the COSIDA website. Uh, we will have one more webinar scheduled in May before we turn our attentions to the June virtual convention month. 
Uh, next Thursday, May 21st, join us for a live webinar at 2 p.m. Eastern on the COSIDA Mentorship Program. Get ready, get set, and go prepare for the 2020-2021 program. Please remember to check out COSIDA.com and COSIDA social media channels. You can see them up on the screen. And uh, for updated information to register for the webinar and see what's in store for the June virtual convention. Uh, any uh, last words, gentlemen? I just want to thank everybody for participating today. The participation throughout this process uh, from the, the working group to the membership itself, uh, the people who've been engaged, has been very helpful. As, as someone said in one of the questions, uh, you can only answer so much through email. So that's why we had this webinar today. And we would welcome an opportunity to, to get in front of some other groups as this plays out over the next month and answer the questions that, that we can answer. Uh, so uh, please contact me or Doug if we can uh, speak to your group and uh, be glad to, to engage in that way if we can. Lenny, one, one other thing I'll mention is uh, if people want to read the current constitution, they can find it at cosida.com uh, if they want to review some of the language in it, it's available there. Yep, and as I said, we're going to get this uh, proposed change up on the website as well for people to read those constitutional changes as well. So, uh, so once again, thanks Herb, thanks Doug, thanks to the staff for uh, putting this all together and making uh, everything go well. And uh, we look forward to connecting with everybody next month during the uh, virtual convention. So thanks again, Thank everybody. You, thanks, Lenny.